Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Welcome to TNT, listeners. It's great to have you back for another episode. Let me introduce our guest today. Cordelia Gaffar is an emotions opener, transformation strategist for courageous leaders, guiding them to be self-aware and operate in full self-trust. 2020, as we all know, was a year of very difficult conversations surrounding diversity, equity, belonging, and inclusion. And Cordelia has been at the forefront of facilitating this conversation on an organizational level. In 2021, along with award-winning Berlin-based co-hosts Mira and Peter Griffiths, creating the Unlearning Labels podcast and workshops to help organizations to implement actionable tools and change policies. She's also a force in women's empowerment and was awarded top national influencer, a sexy, brilliant ambassador and leader and inducted into the global library of female authors. Her new book, Detached Love, Transforming Your Heart So That You Can Transform Your Mind, highlights her Replenish Me process, which is self-leadership surrounding practicing sustainable mindfulness. Her other awards include Best Podcast Host of 2019 for her Free to Be podcast, Volunteer of the Year, and best-selling co-author of America's Leading Ladies Who Positively Impact the World with Oprah Winfrey and several dynamic women. Even with all of these accolades, Cordelia's biggest brag is homeschooling her six children for 17 years. As seen on America, Meditating Radio, British Muslim TV, Spirituality Podcast, also featured on South Africa Radio 786 and Fox News. Welcome to TNT, Cordelia Gafal. Hi, You're how welcome. are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. You know, it's so great to be here, really. Even with all my accolades, I actually am inspired by you, Teresa and Rice. I, I love listening to your podcast and the work that you bring to the world. So it's, it's really great to be here. The opener to our conversations generally comes from wanting to really get into meat. And meat comes from our personal experiences and our, our stories those really inform sometimes the things we want to take action on. And so if you could entertain and delight us with, when this is the kind of work that you are doing now, what is the story that leads us into where you are now? Yeah. So in a sentence, I'm a Black woman who chose to become Muslim and marry an immigrant. And then I proceeded to give up a career where I was a CFO for a small IT company to homeschool my children and not box curriculum because we didn't have those 17 years ago, but understanding their learning styles and personalities and building a curriculum from the bottom up in the trivium method, classical method. My life experiences surrounding all that, that's where I'm coming from. 
Full circle. Yeah. So you told us before you obviously uh, quit this high powered, high engaged um, corporate sort of lifestyle to homeschool for 17 years. So these are obviously two sizable chunks of your personal development, um, your growth. I'm wondering what was the best thing you learned from the corporate stuff? And what was the best thing you learned from that real family stuff? And, and how have you kind of intertwined those things into the work that you do now and being so celebrated for? Well, from the corporate stuff, right? I was mostly in a a male environment so it was like the female and all the men were white the best part of that is i got to learn how to engage directly with the enemy i guess if you want to put it that way because all the time i was just this side of being sexually harassed and just that side of being racially profiled in my position well you can't do that because you're a woman or okay, honey, you know, I know you can't work late because, you know, you got to get home to the hubby and kids and don't be cheeky with me were the kind of things that I dealt with, you know, and leading up to that position, I worked on um, Capitol Hill and in law firms in Washington, D.C. also. I really got to uh, experience the full range of rage and fear. Let's be clear. I wasn't the angry black woman. And if I was, I was rightly so, you know. Um, but mostly fear of, well, if I don't do it the right way or do it in this way, then I'm going to lose my job, which is an economic situation. And if I'm really good, will I be valued enough to get the promotion and the merit increases that I deserve? And how much fighting am I willing to do to get all those things? So that's what I learned from my corporate career. And then I thought it would be easier and maybe I'd go into hiding when I became a mother, but I found out like the real ignoramuses hang out with mothers. So then it was just, why are you having so many kids? Don't you know about birth control? I know that you immigrants, by the way, I'm not an immigrant. My husband's from Bangladesh, but I was born here and it's a conscious choice. In that realm, I was always trying to validate myself as a human being. You must understand these things about when you raise a child, or you need to understand these things about your body when, because I, I chose, uh, four of my kids were born at home. I actually studied to be a midwife, but I like to sleep too much, so I can't do that. And so I learned a lot of things about the other side of my emotional health. And also through mothering and through choosing to become Muslim, I learned the meeting place of our emotions and our spirituality and how to to be centered in all of the craziness that people try to segregate and differentiate human beings. The best part collectively is as my kids are experiencing life and seeing these different things happening, not just like out at the grocery store, but sometimes at the mosque. Muslims are really racist. It's worse because it's tribal, tribal and colorism. I had to explain to my multiracial children, we're actually all human beings and this is just a vessel. And the more you love, the more people will love you. The love is connecting directly to your spirituality and the oneness that we come from, right? So everyone translates Allah as God, but it really means the oneness. So we all emanate from the oneness and it, the more connected we are to that, the less disconnected we are to each other. 
which in essence is translating to the connection to self. Before we hit record, we had talked about the pre-step to self-awareness, the, the pre-step to how do I figure out what that is for me? What do I need to do to figure out what that is for me so that I can be grounded in the who, why, when, where, what, how, that is me, instead of projecting on other people. And part of what I heard in both your corporate and non-corporate experiences is the word the fight, like the endurance to fight for what I believe, what is right, fairness, love, equality, whatever we're choosing to fight for. For you, when do you decide to pick up the sword? You mean in my personal life? Like just to be clear. Across like in- the board. When do you when do you decide that I'm not projecting on other people, but this is a fight I know that needs me and I need it. Yeah. So I guess when I feel and when I observe patterns of abuse, for example, recently I posted on LinkedIn about these four Olympic athletes who are being excluded for the Olympics. They're all black women. And I'm just like, um, I don't understand why, you know, because I, I, I strongly feel that, especially, you know, for the, the runner. So there was once upon a time, some years ago, there was a white male swimmer who did the same thing, but was able to compete. And I'm just, I'm confused as to why does it matter that she's a young black female that she can't compete for the exact same reason this guy was cleared for. And then I'm just wondering, like, I didn't even know that testing for testosterone was a thing to see whether or not you're a male or a female. Now that actually pissed me off because this is a common thing with uh, black women. We're assumed to be less female and less human in general. That's a new level of discrimination. What I'm wondering is like one of the comments on the post was, who do you know, you know, on the Olympics committee or whatever. And I was really thinking about that. I was like, you know, that's a good question. I'm part of all these groups. I'm an ambassador for this and that. Like, who do I know who may be connected with the Olympics? Because yeah, that's not okay. This is where I think I should pick up the sword. Okay, so let let me just reverse that in a way and say, well, you've been compelled to pick up the sword as Teresa says. In what arena or parameters would you be compelled to wave the sword but put it down? You know, there's a fine line between do I engage or do I just pontificate or do I just, um, what makes you hold back? Because it's right that holding back is not part of your raison d'etre and and, and that's one of the things that has made you so prominent and successful and, and so listened to and admired. And I'm wondering other experiences maybe in the last you know few years or throughout your life where you've felt disempowered to pick up the sword and perhaps there's a continuing thought that I want to but should I and, and then maybe you'll get to a point where you're just like fuck this I'm not gonna I'm just gonna do it because uh, I, I can't and maybe there's a maternal thing that comes in there there's an example there's this you're an ambassador you kind of but then because you're an ambassador do you have to like maybe toe the line in, in, a, in other words as well so I'm, I'm wondering how you walk that tightrope? Yeah, there's two things that come to mind with that question. So with the recent things in Palestine, so I have friends who live in Israel. I don't actually have friends who live in Palestine. Most of Palestinians I know live here. This 
is a lot bigger and this is more of a ongoing institutionalized economic depression. I'm not even sure who or what could be done to, to solve that problem. This is, this goes way beyond like self-awareness and curiosity and all those cute things that we say in diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? I mean, like the Olympics committee, like they can change their policies pretty easily, but the Israeli-Palestinian situation, there's so many countries involved and so many international entities that are benefiting economically from that. I don't know. And so this is where I engage the intangible part of myself. And I do retreat to my spirituality and I just straight pray about it. And I know that sounds like I'm doing nothing, but that's to the person who doesn't understand the power of a well-connected spiritual person. Which maybe nicely feeds us into the step that leads to self-awareness, the enjoyment of being with ourselves. So can, can I simply just ask point blank, 100% of the time, do you enjoy being with yourself? No, I'm human. Like, do you enjoy? <laughs> what? It wasn't a trick question. I wasn't trying to like <laughs> snare you in some trick question to go like, that's not possible. You're, it's, it's a full on straight question. Cause I totally believe some people will be like, yeah, hundred percent of the time I'm, you know, I have those moments of course, where I feel like, ah, damn it. Why did you, oh, I can't believe it. And I still enjoy being with myself, even when I'm. Yourselves, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so see, that's the one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's a whole different podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say now I'm to a point where I don't have the range of emotions that I used to. Like in a day, I used to experience real different emotions, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing that was making that heaviness on my spirit is lifted. So I don't feel that way anymore. However, I am a mother. And sometimes I'm like, man, I really botched that. Like that conversation could have just gone a completely different way. But so I, I do question myself, you know, and I've got six opportunities to do that every single day. Actually, I don't because my adult children have moved out. But I wouldn't say that I totally am not at peace with myself or at ease with myself, but I definitely do spend some time rehashing the thought process. And I always come to in those particular situations, you know what, that needed to happen because that's going to do something to develop their personality. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I leave it. Okay. So as I said before, like for me, I'm really interested in, in the language we use, the words that we choose, things that come through us. You know, I'm a believer that, you know, whatever is meant to come through is coming through me now. It's not me. I haven't planned this. I haven't got this question and it's not me and my ego addressing you in this way and, and asking for some answer. It was just uh, something that needs to be asked to you from a, you know, heart to heart or soul to soul level. You said, um, I no longer have these emotions, which I'm guessing you're saying they no longer trigger me or they no longer impact me. They obviously still exist. I haven't managed to completely <laughs> remove them from my from my being. So that leads into your, your two podcasts, which is Unlearning Labels and then The Free to Be, which I know preceded that. So maybe can you talk us a bit about how those specific words were chosen, how they came to you and what, what they mean to you and why they are so compelling to describe what you just said about your emotions and also the work that you're doing um, from a, a leadership development work. Yeah, work as well. absolutely. And actually, 
previously <clears throat> to me calling my podcast the Free to Be Show, I renamed it January 2020. Um, for the first four years, it was called Replenish Me Show. And um, so that phrase um, has now become my methodology, but I chose that because I was living on vapors because it does get tiring. I was building a curriculum from the ground up based on my child's learning style and personality. So I was that mother trying to do the most. So yeah, I needed to replenish me. <laughs> and as I came to a place of learning what that is, then I was like, okay, now that I'm full, I'd like to be free. So what does that look like? So I renamed it to the free to be show because there were things that I had attached to myself. And we have these titles, right? I'm the homeschooling mom. I'm the this, I'm the that. And um, at some point you have to unlearn your labels. Haha. <laughs> And I wanted to be free from identifying as anything. I'm just who I am. And instead of saying free to be me, which is taken from the song from when I was a child, I said, well, just free to be. And what is that? Like open-ended. I had my last, my last episode of the free to be show in March of 2021 that last guest, we had a really interesting conversation surrounding self-love. In the meantime, Peter, Mira, and I started the Unlearning Labels podcast specifically to address the issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion at an organizational level in January. So I felt like, okay, just where this one falls off, this one comes in. And if you listen to that, our, our podcast, we mostly talk about self-awareness, living through mindfulness and joy and stuff like that. So it all goes back to the self-love where my free to be show ended. I just want to be me. That phrase, I think sometimes we could probably, all of us here, yes, in the work that we do, but just in, in life in general, that is something we hear a lot as a cry, a cry from spaces of suffering, pain, despair, desperation even. Oftentimes the question that follows is, okay, well, what is that? And that can be met with, I don't know. I just know that I want to be it. And please stop trying to make me something else. Yes. In your own journey of discovering, well, what is that then? And in your guidance and mentorship of other people to discover theirs, what have you learned is necessary tools to have or things to do in that journey? Releasing what's expected and accepted, right? So part of that is gravitating towards titles. Part of that is self-imposed or externally imposed titles. The other part is just figuring out what are your values personally, right? We, we come from a community, we come from a family or a religious background. And so there's some set of values within those things. And outside of that, we have some values. And so finding out what those are for you personally, and then honoring that and aligning with that through creating habits that support you in that. And so that people will know when they see you, oh, okay, not just she's Muslim, so she doesn't eat pork but she is also a woman and there's certain things you don't say to her or because she's Cordelia, 
Cordelia, she doesn't do those things. So I'm not going to even entertain that kind of conversation with her. People will know that by your vibration because you'll emanate who you are. I was obviously doing a bit of research before we came on. I was really intrigued by the your book, the, the, the idea of, first of all, obviously the words again, detached love, but also in the premise that first we heal the heart to then heal the mind, or I'm paraphrasing, but so I'm just intrigued because A, the idea of detached love, wh what does that really mean? And then this idea, as I believe that it starts with the heart and then that from the heart, then the body the, and the mind will become aligned. And yes, we can talk about vibrations and frequency and we can talk about soul and we can talk about spirituality, but we can, I'm interested to know how mostly the phrase detached love, what that means to you, also how you came to the belief that heart first, mind second, Detached from what's expected and accepted, love is the oneness. So you detach from stuff that doesn't matter and you become the beingness of love. But that's a much longer title, isn't it? So it's just easier to say detached love. And then how do you do that? Because the heart forms first. With every heartbeat, we have an opportunity to live and to breathe. And through that, we have, like you were saying, right? That that's what helps our vessel to work. That vibration informs the mind. You know, a lot of times people are talking about how they're always up in their head and they can't feel anything. What if, because babies, when we're born, all we do is feel and nobody knows what we're saying, but we're talking. And what if in that feeling, now that we are old enough to have vocabulary, we can bring words to it. I carry you through, you were asking about my, my process and tools and stuff. And like the book is only processes and tools. It's not only. I also have anecdotes in there to make it relatable. And then I have activities for you to actually implement each thing I'm sharing. There's a bit of scientific research behind some of it. And some of it is just from case studies with clients. The people that came to my book launch in March received my book in December and finished the book literally days before. They were like, it really took me three months to read this book. And, and I'm probably going to read it again because the more you know and the more you grow, then you can go back and reapply. So this... This book is, it's for the beginner, someone who's new to self-awareness and personal development. It's for, it's for the experienced person. You know, I work with like spiritual leaders. I work with influencers and leaders and they can use this even if they've been doing personal development for decades. Would there be a theme of the most common barrier to stepping into self-awareness and would it be numbness? Hmm. I'm emotionally numb. That's why I can't, or that's why I'm struggling. Um, I would love to say that it has to go to emotions, but to my point that most people are stuck in their head, it's really the vocabulary that people choose. For example, I was talking to someone the other day and she was like, life is so hard, you know? And I was like, you know what? Why don't you say the word joy without smiling? And then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, oh, okay. Okay. You got me. And like, whatever was so hard, she totally forgot about and just got back into what it was that she needed to do. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's not emotional numbness, it's vocabulary. Right. We always like to finish this uh, section of the podcast with a 
uh, hashtag not anymore, as Teresa likes, uh, a thought, a, a feeling, something you shared. So uh, as we do on this, we like to take people on an arc from um, thinking to doing to being. So seeing as you had used to have a podcast that was about free to be, I'm wondering if there's something that you can share with our audience that would allow them to maybe free themselves to be their true self or their, their, their self-aware self or their emotionally intelligent self. Whatever it is you're thinking right now that's making you heavy, I invite you to think the polar positive opposite. Perfect. Boom, crushed it, nailed it, just do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag that, take it to the bank. <laughs> people are gonna wanna find out more about you, the book, you know, what, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? How can they find out what you're doing now? And, and is there anything on the horizon that you wanted to share with, with our listeners? Yeah. I, I love conversation um, and I love reading, right? Because I'm a writer. So send me an email at hello at cordeliagafar.com. And it may not be a secret, but that's another way you could find out more about what I'm up to. I have a website called cordeliagafar.com. I'm pretty active on Instagram and you can find me at cordeliagafar. All right, perfect. Thank you very much for that. Um, now we'd like to finish with our rapid fire Q and A. Um, five questions, whatever's on your heart or your head or in your soul, wherever it comes from, we want to hear it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, which emotion catches you off guard most often? Joy. Oh, uh, what do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? Dance. Nice. What's next in your personal evolution? Very quick answer was coming, but I need to, to censor that a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> feel free. <laughs> New project, pleasure and presence. Uh, number four, when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? Take it light. And finally, in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? I'm most hopeful for the liberation of all our souls. Thank you so much for sharing a, a small snippet of your story, your wisdom, your amazing achievements. Thank you so much, Cordelia, for, for joining us. A real honor and a real privilege for me to have a face-to-face -face conversation with you. I've been following your content for a while. Teresa, you're good friends with Cordelia. I'll let you have the last word. Yeah, it's just a joy. Of course, anytime we reach out and say, would you please be on, on our show and have a conversation with us and, and share your heart with the world is just awesome that you said <laughs> yes and then joined us today and did exactly that. So grateful to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great being here. This was really fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.